you start to question your value. You start to question your self-worth. Like the more money you got, the more successful you are, and most people really do buy into that. But really, I just needed a break. What I love is helping people. I'm Julie Bauke, and welcome to The Evolved Career, a podcast where we help you determine what truly does matter most to you and how it can have a profound impact on your life. Today, I am beyond thrilled to welcome as my guest, Morgan Field, who was one time known as Spicy McChicken, and I'm going to let her explain that. Morgan has an amazing story of career and life transformation. And, you know, we hear sometimes people say things like, oh, I made a 180 degree shift. No, she really did. She is virtually unrecognizable from the Morgan that existed four to five years ago. And this is going to be lots of fun. And so strap yourself in and let's meet Spicy McChicken, Morgan Field. Welcome, Morgan. <laughs> Hello. Spicy still sometimes pops up. So yeah, she's not yeah. gone forever. She's a good tool of yes. yeah, information for me to know when I need a little bit of me time, a little bit of going back in inside instead of giving so much to the world. So, yes. so normally <laughs> yeah. when I prepare for these, I go out and I kind of read people's bios and just kind of get clear on what I want to talk about. And yours is, it's just, there's so much of it. There's so much of your story that's right there. So I thought the best way to start this was to read directly how you described yourself kind of pre-transformation and I, because I love it. You were a highly functional, massively codependent, complete hot mess of a drunk, addicted to toxic men, cigarettes, junk food, and work. About sum it up. Oh, it's so good. It's so funny. Yes, yes. Yeah, you wrote it. <laughs> you wrote it. So, so that was what 2015, 2014, something like that. Um, I feel like the beginning of the awakening started at about 2010, and then maybe 2000 and. 12 was when I really started to be more conscious and pivot. And then 2015, I believe if I'm doing my math correct, or maybe 2014 was when I took the leap and actually really went from the old me into the new me and took the leap of faith. So how did you become that highly functional, massively codependent dot, dot, dot? How'd you get there? Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's, I was a professional number, a lot of numbing going on. And I don't know, I just feel like we get offered opportunities to choose between consciousness or burying our head in this sand. And I just chose to bury my head in the sand a lot. And that looked like choosing to drink instead of feeling feelings, choosing to smoke cigarettes instead of really figuring out like, man, why am I doing this? I just didn't have any consciousness to it. And I also think what happened was, is I was operating on this constant question of who do I need to be for the world to like me? Who do I need uh -huh. to be for my parents to love me? Who do I need to be to be accepted by society? Who do I need to be so that I could get the next promotion? I never, ever stopped to check in with 
hey, do I even like who I'm being? And so I think right. that's how it happened. Yeah. And I think it's so common in society for us to be in careers that were guided by what we what we saw around the world, whether it's media, whether it's our family, but the world around us telling us the direction we should go. And so I got there by just never checking in with me. Yeah. And you just it, what happens is I think we layer like one bad decision over yeah. another. And pretty soon you've got a big old shit sandwich that, you know, that that is your life. Um, so what was the moment that you said, I got to knock this off? I need to make some real change. Was there was there a particular moment that you can recall? Oh, I feel like there were a couple of moments. So again, just as we layer our decisions that put us in absolute shit storms, which I was really good at creating, I feel like I it ended up being layered moments of consciousness that maybe I would have a moment of consciousness and then stuff it back down and then have a moment of consciousness and stuff it back down. And each moment of consciousness that you have begins to compound to the point where you're like, man, why am I stuffing this down? What if I chose to be different? What if I chose to make a different decision and change the trajectory of my life? So I feel like a couple of moments of consciousness were, one was I actually took a week off work for the first time in like four to five years. Wow. Yeah. Do not recommend that. Taking a week off. No, not taking a week off. Going four (laughs) or five years without taking a week off, you nuts. Yeah, I would told well again, right? I mean, it makes perfect sense. So for anyone who's listening who hasn't taken time off, it's probably because you're stuck in this pattern of what do I need to be? Who do I need to be in order to get the next promotion or in order to get the validation from the world that I'm seeking in order to get the love and the validation? It's like the worthiness hustler inside me was work, 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 right? It's also really convenient if you work all the time and then when you're not working, you're drinking, that you're not actually ever having time to feel your feelings. So what I did was, is I kept feeling pulled to go to Sedona, to Sedona, Arizona. And they always say, when you're ready, the mountains will come, the red mountains will come calling for you. And I just kept hearing Sedona. I kept feeling pulled there. Things started just little messages here or there and, you know, on my computer screen would pop up or someone would mention it or, and I was like, huh. And so I, I decided not only was I going to go, but I was not going to bring my computer, which was my portal to work. And I turned my phone off for the entire time that I was there. It is amazing what happens when you shut the world around you down. I mean, it just, there's nothing to distract you. There is nothing to react to. There's nothing to respond to. There's nothing trying to get your attention. And you're literally just with yourself. And so I found myself with me and it was really quiet. (laughs) And I started to actually notice, I remember one moment and I talk about it in the second book, the powerful as fuck book, I talk about it where the woman, so I had scheduled this really beautiful soul journey while I was there. And one of the practitioners that came to the house to meet me was she, I heard in the driveway, a car pull up and it was like 10 minutes early. And I got really angry 
that she would have the audacity to be early and I wasn't ready and how dare her and this whole like anger monologue that happened. And then I realized a car was just pulling around in the driveway. And then <laughs> at the moment of say we were supposed to meet at one o'clock and she wasn't there, I began getting angry that she wasn't there on time. And then like an hour passed and she still wasn't there and I was stewing and stewing and stewing. And it turned out that we had gotten our signals crossed. She thought I was coming to her. I thought she was coming to me. And when she showed up, she had to dance with Spicy McChicken, who Spicy McChicken is my, you know, alter ego, the version of me that's just angry all the time and gets really creative to find ways to be angry. And the woman was like a Spicy McChicken tamer. She was the most amazing soul I've ever encountered. I'll never forget her. And she, instead of getting defensive or reacting to me and my anger, she just asked me like, hey, what's what's going on, right? Like where else is this showing up in your life where you're getting angry when things aren't going the way that you want them to? Or she, you know, she started to really kind of dissect some of my choices. Okay. So it sounds like you were angry. If I was early, you were angry. If I was late, when do you ever get to be happy? <laughs> Boy, that's a powerful question, isn't it? When do you yeah. ever get to be happy? And so that was the beginning. It sounds like of some self-awareness and isn't it funny how it really takes, when you were talking about, oh, I turned this off, I turned this off, I totally disconnected. It, as crazy as it is, but it takes courage to do that. Oh, the amount of fear. I just got goosebumps. Yeah, the amount of fear that you have to face. Because there's so we create so many horse shit stories. Fear creates so many stories that aren't even true. <gasps> but what if a client needs me? <gasps> but what if something happens? <gasps> but what if there's an emergency? <gasps> but I yeah. It's like, it just, uh, we, we create. I mean, I think that was what was so powerful about that trip is I realized I created my own anger. I created my own drama. I created my own anxiety. And we do it through the stories. And so the amount of courage that it takes to face the stories and say, hey, I hear you. There may be an emergency, but it's going to be okay. I'm going to go offline anyways. Hey, I hear you. Yeah. A client may need something, but it's a week and you're going to focus on you. And what if we just gave it a shot? What if we stopped playing in hypotheticals and we started living in the here and the now? What if we only experience and process and deal with what's actually happening instead of what you think may, might possibly maybe happen in these stories of catastrophe and drama that we create? Yeah. So here you were only worrying about how others we're perceiving you, receiving you, judging you, at the same time getting so further so further away from you and what was important to you. And I would imagine back then, you couldn't have answered the first question about who you really were or what was important to you because you'd gotten so far away from it, living in what others expected and wanted of you. What a sad place to be. But yet we know, you and I know, how many people there are that live in that place every single day. Yeah. So the excerpt that you read was from the first book, Epic Sexy You. And in the second book, Powerful as Fuck, I actually talk about another moment, which is exactly what you're talking about here, where on that same trip I in Sedona, Arizona, there was another spiritual practitioner I was working with who said to me, she looked at me and she said, Morgan, do you think you're lovable? Cause she could see what you just described. She could see that I was 
were like hustling for my worthiness and living so much for trying to be who the world wanted me to be or who I, the stories I made up about the, who the world wanted to me to be right. It wasn't even like someone was telling me directly, you have to be this. It was the stories that I made up about what I was thinking the world was saying I needed to be or what I was perceiving. And so when she asked me that question, when she said, Morgan, do you think you're lovable? I could not answer the question. And it really helped me shift my paradigm because I was always very confident. I was always a high achiever. I was always very successful in everything that I did. I was an athlete as a child and like a really, really stellar athlete. I was training to go to the junior Olympics as a gymnast before I ended up getting pulled out for some physical body injuries. And then even in the corporate world, I mean, I was just a rock star at everything that I did always getting the promotions that I wanted, always felt pretty confident, at least if that was my definition of success. And so when she asked me if I felt lovable and I could not get the word yes to come out of my mouth, I had to really take a look at how I was choosing to define my success in life, how I was choosing to create the path that I was on. And it was one of those moments that created what I call a new Google search in the mind, right? So if we're always asking ourselves the same question over and over and over again, which mine, the one on repeat subconsciously was, who do I need to be to, for the world to like me and love me or for you to like me and love me or to get the next promotion? When I changed it to, whoa, 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 who do I need to be for me to love being me, it melted all of the anger. Repeat that. that repeat that last statement. That's so powerful. Who do I, what did you just say? Say it again. Yeah. I changed the question to become, who do I need to be to love being me? Oh, that is beautiful. That should be on a t-shirt or a coffee mug or something. <laughs> yeah. It's a good idea. Yeah. So I met you right before you decided to quit your job and yeah. take this huge leap. And this podcast is about people who have made not only big leaves, leaps in their careers, but their lives and how, you know, how the world responded and what it did for them. You walked away from, as I recall, a very nice job in which you'd been very successful. You walked in and said, I quit. I'm going to figure this out. Am I remembering that correctly? At the peak of when I was in my career, I was at a position that when you're at plan, you make $250,000 a year and the benefits were amazing. And I don't share the money with you to tell you any other reason than that's a lot of money to walk away from. The amount of stories and of security and the illusions of certainty that that begins to embed in you and the amount of fear of walking away from that was insane, right? It's like, I literally questioned my sanity and I could tell that some of my very near and dear loved ones were also questioning my sanity and really just, yeah, it was when you're at the top and you have the seniority and Everyone, you know, it's like you already have everything that you worked towards. It's like building something and it's completely built and it's everything that you dreamed of and you're experiencing it and you're living it and you're being it and then going, hmm, what if this isn't 
what I want. In fact, actually, yeah. So it was, that was another moment that was a catalyst of shift that inspired my leap, right? So these compounding moments that eventually inspired me to leap that moment where I really looked at, I got, so I had a position that I had been aiming for, for six years, right? I was, I, when I walked into the corporate world, I said, this is the position that I want to be at. It was the position at the top of the company. When I finally got there, it felt exactly how I thought it was going to feel. I felt amazing. I felt inspired. I felt abundant. I felt confident. And it lasted for two days, maybe three, <laughs> right? And I was like, right. oh my God, this cannot be what living is. So how the lovable question became this portal for me to go, okay, if I don't love being me, that's not success. So moving forward, I define success by how much time do I get to spend loving being me. And then also this moment of spending six years chasing a goal, climbing a corporate ladder and getting to the top and realizing that it was trading moments of fulfillment for years of living. And I was like, this is not how I want to define living. So it really made me take a look at well, what does living look like? What does truly living look like? And to me, it was, I had to let go of the illusion of security and certainty that a $250,000 a year job with amazing benefits and seniority, I had to let go of that illusion of security in order to be able to truly live. And God, when you live from a space of letting go of the addiction to familiarity and the addiction to certainty and the addiction to what appears to be security, when you let go of that, true freedom just rushes into your life. I, it sounds so counter instinctual, but it's the most intuitive thing that I've ever done, which was letting go of these addictions. So along with the addictions to being a workaholic and drinking and smoking and dating toxic relationships or being in relationships with people that were emotionally or geographically unavailable. Um, when I let go of this addiction to certainty, this addiction to security, when I let go of those things, I, I let go of the other addictions as well. I didn't realize even until I'm like saying it in this moment, how much all of those addictions were really tied together. So you my know, addiction to numbing kind of went hand in hand with my addiction to certainty. Yeah. You know, and when it's, it's interesting, you talk about, you know, people's reactions. So in your world of people who love you, when you gave up drinking toxic men, cigarettes and junk food, people were like, yeah, you know, they're like, yeah, good, Morgan. That's all good for you. But then you say, now I'm going to walk away from my highly enviable job that gives me this fantastic salary and benefits. That's when people go, whoa, 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 because that is so scary. Walking away from something that is at least seen has the illusion of being a sure thing is to other people because they look at you and they say, I could never do that. So therefore, they project onto you how they would handle a similar situation. And frankly, most people hang on to a job they hate for dear life because they're so scared that that's the, that that's the best they can do. 
And so I love how you get to that point where you had already accomplished some other things that you were able to let go of, even though it was scary, and said, yeah, this job now, this is the last vestige of what it is that I'm trying to do for somebody else other than me. And that, that, was, a, that was a big release. Yeah. Oh man. It's amazing. It is absolutely mind boggling. It's kind of mind bending when it's happening to you. It's like you're in the twilight zone. When you finally face your own fear and you get the courage and you build it up and you build it up and you build it up and you finally say, okay, I'm going to leap. And then you get what I affectionately call fear bombed. You get fear bombed by yes. your loved ones. And yes. it's crazy because you're like, I know that you love me and that you want what's best for me. And you're telling me that you're concerned because you love me. I use air quotes around those, yeah. right? You're concerned because you love me. And yet the truth is you're projecting your addiction to certainty onto me. And you're projecting your fear of the unknown onto me. So just normalizing for those listening that when you take your leap, the people that you are expecting to be the most supportive may actually have the most fear for you. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Because they are, you're right. They're projecting the, the thought of walking away from a secure job and literally jumping off, stepping off that cliff. I, I work with people all the time who they have plenty of money. It's so that's not the issue. There's something else they want to do. They're perfectly qualified for it. But walking away from something without being kicked out the door, actually saying, I'm giving my two-week notice and I'm going to go figure out what's next. It's so ingrained in our culture that that is wrong, that we will literally let ourselves get sick. We will be miserable. We will cry in the car on the way to work before we will step away from something we hate into the unknown. In, in other words, trusting ourselves that our next thing, that we can build our next thing. So we, so it is, I find it's so frustrating because I'll work with people who say, I cry in the car on the way to work. I'll go, well, when did you decide that that was okay? Well, what do you mean? I said, well, clearly you've decided that's okay because you cry in the car on the way to work. You know, that, that should not be okay in anyone's world. And we talk ourselves into, but I have no choice. I, you know, I don't have options. I can't for these six reasons. And it's all BS. It's all BS. And I love how you stepped away and said, I'm going to become the best version of who I am. Now you've referenced your two books twice. Tell us about your books. Tell us about their titles, how you came to write them, because it, it, this is the best way for people to get, to, to step into their own version of themselves. The idea is not go read these books and become another Morgan Field. The idea is read these books and become the best, most powerful version of you. Yeah. I love the way you said that. There are a lot of personal development and self-help books that are out there that tell you step-by-step, here's how you become X, Y, Z, right? And my soul signature will not allow me to ever tell someone who they should be, especially having gone through the journey that I did. And so what I do is I actually leverage my life coaching skills and use the questions that I would ask in a session 
I write them out so that you have like writing prompt or thought prompts if you're listening to the audios that allow you to actually go inward to find your answers because that's the foundation of everything that I create and that I do and that I know is that you have the answers within you. And so they're the books that I create, they're portals to the journey inward. And so Epic Sexy You was written to help you learn when you wake up and you realize you're nowhere on your own priority list, that's the book for you to get back to you. And what's interesting is that's a book that you can use to get back to you again and again and again, right? Because we are in a society that is so built for journeys outside in where we typically it's like give, 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 give to the world. And then it's like, ah, stop shit. I, I gotta go back. I gotta go back to me. You gotta go back to me. You gotta go back to me. So that book is like this really beautiful portal that no matter where you are in your journey, if you want to find out who you are and fall in love with yourself or reconnect to you, it is the most powerful tool to do that. And then the second book, Powerful as Fuck, the tagline is own your shit, live the life of your dreams. It's actually what you're talking about with it's redefining responsibility. And so the reason that people typically don't live a life that's truly in alignment with their desires and what would light their soul on fire is because of these tiny nuances of responsibility, not wanting to take a leap from the job because if it doesn't work, then I have to be, it's my fault, right? And so we're afraid to own our power. We're afraid to own our responsibility of everything in our life because we're afraid that if we do, that somehow it'll be our fault and we're going to have to experience shame and it's going to be a mistake. And we're so afraid to make mistakes or to do anything that we stop moving, which is why someone would be willing to cry on their way to work. So Powerful as Fuck is a book that's really a nuanced own your power book. It is a portal to really help you. I mean, this is for people who are used to moving forward and then you, you hit a wall. I mean, it's normal. We all do. We are living in this beautiful dimension of infinite expansion. And so that's a book that you can come back to over and over and over and over again. That is like a truth vortex that brings you back to facing the truth of how are you being an active participant in the creation of things that are less than desirable that you're experiencing? And how do you transmute those blocks into forward flow again? And so it's really about taking responsibility for everything in your life and realizing the joy that happens when you take responsibility for the good, the bad, the ugly, and giving yourself permission to consciously craft and construct your own standards. Because what a beautiful question that you asked your client where it's like, at what point did you decide this was okay or that this was your standard of living that you were going to accept and tolerate crying? And until you even asked her that question, she probably wasn't even aware that that was something she was tolerating. And so the book Powerful as Fuck is this amazing portal for you to get really honest with yourself about what you're afraid of, what you're tolerating, what stories you're making up, and the truth of the parts and pieces of you that you're afraid to share with the world. Because if you're hiding who you are in any way, shape, form, or fashion, 
you don't get to feel free and light and peace and joy on the scale that you came here to get to experience. To go from somebody who was 100% dependent on the input and the approval of others. You, more than any person I have ever met, write your own rules. You're like, these are Morgan's rules for living. I'm going to follow those. You've gone from, I care solely what other people think to, I care only what I think. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but you know what I mean. I, I have never seen such an enthusiastic, total transformation and a joy for life that you possess. And I think it is incredibly inspirational. And we get, I think, especially as women, we get really into that. Well, that's not me. I couldn't do that. That's, I don't want to be like that. Okay. But what we're missing in all of this is, well, who do you want to be? What, what do you want to be? Are you happy with how you are in the world and in your life? Are you happy with how you're showing up in your life right now? And even if we have the courage to say, no, I'm not, that next set of questions, well, what would it take? What's the gap between where I am and where I want to be? And do I even know where I want to be? Can I even articulate that? So what's your advice for someone who's listening, who gets your books and is looking at them and saying, okay, you know, I'm really scared. You know, I'm going to read these and they're going to tell me all the things I should be doing that I'm not doing. What's your advice for someone on how to, how to really jump into this and figure out who you really are and who you want to be in the next phase of your life or in this phase of your life? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say is it is entirely normal to be afraid. I think it's something that we don't really talk about. And so we hide our fear, we hide our insecurities, we hide our shame. But again, what is instinctual is hide from it because I have all these fears and stories of and then and then and then and then my life is in shambles and what just happened and oh my God. And right. And so it's like giving ourselves permission to, instead of running from it, we actually lean towards it. So one of the things that I talk about a lot within when I'm on stages or in writing or in my tribe is when you begin to lean towards joy, when you begin to consciously assess how to construct and inject more joy into your life, it is natural that more fear appears because it is actually the path less traveled. Yeah. <laughs> right? To choose joy, unapologetic joy to so when you said earlier like you've never seen someone care less now about what others think and it's like I still have that part of me. I've just learned how to talk to her. So what I would say to someone who's in this journey is instead of looking outside for examples that you can face your fear and that magic will happen, I would actually say, look in your own life, look backwards, because we all have moments, even if we have to go far in our past, we all have moments in our own life where when we did the thing that we were afraid of, we realized that all of the stories we made up about it were not true or um, and I talk about this in the book, Powerful as Fuck, we do the thing <laughs> that we're 
we face our fear and we do the thing we're afraid of and the thing we're afraid of happens. So I actually talk in the book about a story where I was invited to do this thing that was like a stand-up comedy and I am not a comedian. At that point in time in my life, I was not on stages at all. Um, but I have an agreement with myself where, and so this goes back to what are the standards of life or the agreements that you make with yourself up front to decide ahead of time how you're going to handle fear. My standard of living is I say yes to joy and I lean towards fear. My agreement with myself is if something scares me, I say yes, because I know that there will be expansion in it. And so because I have that agreement with myself, I put myself in a lot of really interesting situations that the part of me that's afraid is like, why do you keep doing this to us? I can't believe you're going to do this again. It's made me jump off bridges, bungee, you know, <laughs> gone bungee jumping. I've gone skydiving like seven times. I love bringing people on adventures. Um, I've gone swimming with sharks. I've gone scuba diving. So there's, and I always say scuba diving and some people who are scuba divers don't get the fear in that. But for someone who's never done it, it's like the, the fear mind is like, the whole time I was down there, it's like, if you breathe through your nose, we're going to die. And I'm like, why would you tell me this? This is very unhelpful. And so there's a part of our mind that when we change our relationship with it, it calms everything down. And so I remember being invited to this stand-up comedy thing. I was, I genuinely didn't know what I was saying yes to. I thought I was saying yes to a group of friends who were getting together and doing like a stand-up as a way of facing their fear. But when I showed up, I realized that what I had been invited to was an actual stand-up evening where comedians get on stage. And I had this fear walking in that when I realized what it was, I was like, oh my God, they're going to boo me. I'm not a comedian. They're going to throw tomatoes at me, right? Like your worst fear and you construct it and construct it and you get more creative and imaginative. It's funny how we use our imagination to create a lot of um, fear stories instead of using it to create our dreams. So that's another thing that's in the book, Powerful as Fuck. And what happened um, when I walked into this room is I was like, okay, I heard the part of me that said, you know what? It's okay because the biggest, you know, the stories that you had were just, they're not going to happen, Morgan. It's okay. Just trust this and lean in. And I sit down and the MC says, okay, so this is an open night for comedian, an open mic night for comedians. We want you to, we encourage you to boo them if they're bad, because we really want you to, to let them know what materials they should be using and not. And you'll also notice that on your tables, there are foam tomatoes. So we really encourage you to throw oh, foam tomatoes oh, at them while they're on stage. And I was like, oh my God, my worst fear is even like it is happening. And what happened was, is it took hours until they got to me. And so I was sitting with my fear for hours and wanting to renegotiate this agreement that I have with myself of facing my fear and the standard of living that I have agreed to with that upfront agreement with myself really holds me accountable to stay in fear and decide ahead of time to stay in fear before I'm in it so that I can't try to make that decision while I'm in the moment. So I'm in the moment. I'm trying to renegotiate this agreement that I have with myself. Finally, like four or five hours later, oh, I get on stage <laughs> Yeah, it was awful. Um, and I like blackout. I have no idea what I said. And at this point in my life, I was already sober. So I couldn't even numb my feelings. Uh, I had to be present with it. But I kind of mentally blacked out. And it was interesting because I did whatever I did. I don't even know. And the guy that got up after me said, 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, she may not be a comedian, but damn if she's not the best public speaker that I've ever seen. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, what? And in that moment, a new paradigm of perception of self was birthed because I had the courage to face fear and the world mirrored back to me that a story that I had about not being good enough, not being a speaker, not being whatever enough, it was mirrored back like, hey, that's bullshit. And actually you're built for a stage. And so usually the things that we're most afraid of are the moments that will expand our soul, our mind, our heart. And we all have those moments in our life, no matter how far we go back to have to find them. So I would encourage someone who is afraid to say, look back at the moments in your life where you were afraid of something and you did it and it was magical and it was amazing and it expanded you. And even if the worst case scenario happened, the outcome was actually one of the most alchemizing, transforming, beautiful experiences. Even if in that moment it sucked, later it was like, I learned this, I learned this, I learned this. I became a new version of me because of that experience. And that led you to your TED Talk, to your public speaking, and to everything else wonderful that has been as a result of that, has has been as a result of that moment. Yeah, now I get on stages. I mean, now I, I mean, my home is the platforms and podcasts and tangible stages. And that is now where I live and breathe and play. And had I said no to fear, the invitation of fear in that moment, I would have missed out on the opportunity to become a version of me that I really love being. Wow. So one of the things you mentioned that you do retreats and I love your retreats. Tell our listeners about about your retreats. I think they're just so clever and so well executed. Thank you. So I actually remember you and I having a conversation before, like way back in the day, before I even decided to do my first retreat when it was just an idea. And it was like, you asked me a question, what do you do better than anyone else? And I was like, adventure, fun, joy, facing fear, coaching, right? And it Uh was like, oh, what if I took all of those things and put them together in one experience? Because back then, when I first started doing retreats like six or seven years ago, in the life coaching space, people were doing retreats where maybe you'd be in a classroom for five days. And they would be powerful experiences where you would be indoors and you would be working on your mind and your heart and your soul expansion for sure. But no one was doing the life coaching experience in tandem with the real life experience that would allow you to integrate the process of whatever it was that you were trying to achieve. And so I remember the first retreat that I did, and then this spawned infinite retreats moving forward is I had this vision of what if we went to Costa Rica? What if I took a group of ladies to Costa Rica and I told them because I had built this really beautiful relationship with the unknown, I was like, what if I help other people build a relationship with the unknown? So what if I tell them, if you sign up for this retreat, you are agreeing to embrace the unknown 
I will tell you what to pack. I will tell you what flight to buy, but you just have to trust, fall, and surrender. And when you get there, you know nothing. You will know nothing <laughs> while we were there. You will know nothing the entire time. You will just, I will pick you up from the airport. Now I have them, um, maybe I'll tell them like the first location and they'll meet me there. But back then it was like, literally just you show up at the airport and you wait for your information once you're there. I mean, it's kind of mind boggling and it's really playful. But, and then I remember a really beautiful moment in Costa Rica. That particular retreat was about changing your relationship with fear. And I had the girls in the jungle <laughs> and one of the girls was on a jungle swing. So you are on the like the ledge and then there's just like open treetops and open just jungle below you and you're on this this pathway and there's a swing and then they let they drop you and you just swing across the jungle treetops right i was watching one of the girls go and she was gripping the rope so tight she was white knuckling it and as she was doing that also i so i have an energy reader and i can channel spirit and i can feel energy and so i could really i was like reading all the different layers of what was happening in her energy field correlating that to this really powerful question of where else is this showing up in your life so if you're experiencing fear here physically and you're holding on tight i was like man where else are you trying to control a situation and you don't really trust the surrender of what life is asking you to. So when she came, so she did a swing and the guys were like, let go. And you're supposed to like, let go of the rope and fall backwards. The amount of trust of surrender you have to have for that though is huge. And so she came, she couldn't let go. And then she, she swung back to the walkway. And when she got to the walkway, I said, listen, so this is where the coaching comes in, right? I said, where else in your life are you holding on so tight to certainty and control that it is actually paralyzing you from moving. And she started being like, oh my God, it's happening over here. It's happening in relationships. It's happening in my career. I said, if you were able to let go of this rope and you allow it to be a physical representation and manifestation of letting go of control in other areas of your life, what might that do to the way that you choose to live moving forward? And she takes her time and answers and explains all the different ways it would change her life and the freedom and the joy that she could chase and the dreams that she would do and she would leave her job and da da da. And oh, I get goosebumps. She, they let her go off the ledge again. She's holding on tight. I'm screaming from the side, like, let go, surrender. Um, she's laughing. She's like, I'm trying to let go. And you could see that the mind and the body were trying to communicate with one another for her to let go. And she finally lets go and just starts giggling with absolute delight. And it's really cool because I get to watch the journey of what happens over the course of the years. And over the course of the years, I mean, this is someone who left a job that to your point, she was probably crying on her way to, and she started her own business and she created her own lane in life. And it really just begins with changing your relationship with fear, changing your relationship with the unknown. And so even though retreats each have their own topic, the foundation is the foundation of every single retreat is to change the way that they're experiencing living 
so that they have the experience integrated into their body and integrated into their energy field so that their ability to transform their life is expedited like 10 years beyond if they were just sitting in a classroom learning. Are you sure you're the same one who is highly functional, massively codependent, complete hot mess of a drunk? It's really funny because I, I kid you not when in sober communities, when they ask me, how did you become sober? I, I really, truly, it was like an old version of me went offline and handed the baton to a completely new person. So yes, your point. I mean, it's literally like a new version of me showed up and that version of me lived life so differently than the other one. It was actually, it's, I delight in sobriety. I mean, I, I delight in my sobriety because it's, to me, it's not about not numbing. It's about living. To me, sobriety is about being fully conscious of constructing, being the master creator of my own life. And it's about being present in every moment. And the moment is the only place that you get to live. And so, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's, mind boggling to look back. I don't recognize that version of me. I love her. I think she's wonderful. I'm so grateful for her because without her, I would not have gone through the journey to become who I am and to be able to inspire others to take their own journey, which each journey looks different. But when you see someone and if I hear all the time, wow, because you shared that, I know that it's possible. And my path may look different, but I know it's possible. And so I love that. I love being the, if she can do it, so can I affect for the world. Yeah, exactly. And you, I mean, as I said, you truly made it 180. So when we talk about not everybody has to do or is even in a situation where they need to make that drastic of a change. But if you need to do a pivot, a 20 degree turn, whatever it is, just to get a tiny bit more aligned with who you are and wanting to be in the universe, you can step into this. You don't have to say, okay, five years, boom, I'm going 180. You know, the changes can be small. They can be gradual. But then as you start to pick up momentum, you'll find that with every step that you take, you want to take the next one. You want to take the next one. The courage builds. And girl, you ran with it. So um, kudos to you. So how can we... So how can we learn more about... Where can we get your book? And how can we learn more about the other things that you offer? So I'm actually currently building a new site. So the old site will still be up as well too. So epicsexyu.com is where the information is right now, but I'm building a new site and it'll be launched soon. And it's themorganfield.com because I just felt like the journey of what is going to be provided is there's like so many directions and paths that you can pivot and go. And so I'm building a more custom approach to say, Hey, let's figure out where you are and then where you are. Let's meet you there. And here's what I would recommend you do. Um, so that's where there are going to be a lot of really yummy pieces of freebie resources that you can use on your own journey to give yourself permission to expand and evolve into even more of who you want to be. And then I always love connecting with people on social media. So on Instagram, it's at Epic Sexy You, or you could find me as Morgan Field. And on Facebook, it's Morgan Field or at official Morgan Field. 
Um, but I love, I love connecting on social media. I always love kind of sharing the behind the scenes or sharing the day or sharing inspiration or sharing humor. I think it's such a beautiful part of the journey, sharing tribe, realizing that you're not in this alone. And, uh, and then the books are both on Amazon. So Epic, Sexy You, and Powerful as Fuck, they are both on Amazon. Get them both today. Are you ready to play? Two questions, one deep and one shallow? Get it, girl. Let's do it. All right. All right. What's the most embarrassing thing you've ever worn? The most embarrassing? I don't think I'm easily embarrassed. (laughs) Um, All people have to do is go to your website and look at you in all these various outfits to know that's true. Yeah. Like I love unicorn onesies or like the things that most people would be like, you're not going to go out wearing that. Are you? I'm like, yeah, that's gonna be amazing. And I'm going to get compliments because I'm awesome, you know, because I, because I own it. So I really, yeah, I don't think I get embarrassed easily. (laughs) And I've really developed a relationship with embarrassment where if I'm embarrassed, I typically share it because it helps other people expand too and realize like, Hey, you're not alone. Um, I didn't cannot buy actually it? think of anything I've ever worn. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you just, didn't you just buy, I think I saw it on Facebook, you bought a unicorn onesie or something? Unicorn, listen, I bought a unicorn onesie. I bought a hammock. I bought a tie dye kit. Uh, I bought some paint. I'm just, I'm all about giving myself permission to find ways that if I have to stay at home, I'm going to have some fun. And if I, you know, and so yes, a hundred percent. I also have a a bunny onesie that I yeah. wear for Easter or just because I have a panda onesie. I have a Wonder Woman onesie. Um, yeah. So if you want to get weird with it, I'm <laughs> the right person to come and play with. Go to Epic sure. Sexy You and look at all of her outfits. Yeah, for all sure. All right. So here's here's our serious question. What breaks your heart? Uh, you know, a quote that I heard that stuck with me that helps answer this is I think it was Abraham Lincoln, but he said, you could tell the character of a person by what keeps them up at night. And when I heard that, I was like, Oh man, what is it that really frustrates me or, and it frustrates me because it breaks my heart, right? Whenever you're angry or frustrated about something, if you ask yourself, what's the sadness underneath that anger, you will hit a totally new layer of rawness of yourself and your life. And um, when I asked myself what keeps me up at night or I paid attention to what really just hurts my heart or kind of triggers me the most, it is when someone doesn't own their power. It's when someone doesn't love who they are. It's when someone thinks they need to be someone different in order to be lovable and or it's when people are playing this power game where they think that they're going to get their worthiness from the world around them or they think that if they put someone else down that somehow they get to be more or they think that if they you know give someone something um that they get to be more it's this really weird nuance of power dynamics that i see or when someone is blaming, oh, it really hurts my heart. When someone is blaming the world, like, oh, that so-and-so did that to me. It's the victima. It's the victim, the victim avatar, which I talk about in the second book. I talk about avatars a lot. It's a very powerful tool um, in Powerful as Fuck. I think I talk about it a little bit in Epic Sexy You, but it go in depth in Powerful as Fuck. It's there's a version of us 
that I affectionately refer to for the ladies, victima, and for the gentlemen, victimo. But it's a part of us that feels victimized by other people or the world, or, you know, I could either have spent so much time, I did spend a lot of time really upset with my parents. I spent a lot of time upset with our education system. I spent a lot of time upset with media because of the amount of years I wasted. But then I was just wasting more time blaming. And so I think that's what hurts my heart the most and what keeps me up at night is like, I want to help people realize the power that is available to them when they take responsibility for their own life, the power that is available to them when they realize they are in charge of their own happiness, the power that is available to them when they realize that the love that they're craving from the world around them actually is their responsibility to give to themselves. Because when you love who you are, when you don't need the validation from the world around you, you become this, I always joke with myself, like I'm dangerous, you know, in a really beautiful (laughs) way, because I hear the fear of what other people will think, but I have friendships in place and relationships in place and a coach in place and tools in place that allow me to work through the fear and face the fear and the agreements that I have with myself to be seen even when it's scary. It doesn't mean it doesn't stop me uh, occasionally, but it'll never ever hold me back permanently. And so that's what really breaks my heart is that I just wish more people realize that when you take the journey inward, when you do the thing you're afraid of, when you lean towards joy and therefore face fear, that your entire life can be whatever the hell you want it to be and that you truly are the master creator of your own life. And boom, that's a mic drop, girl. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the best way to end this. Thank you so much for your time. This was incredible information. And I hope that everybody listening checks out your books, your website, and starts to take one step forward toward becoming the best version of themselves. Thank you so much, Morgan. It is such a pleasure. I absolutely love you. I love your energy. I love the light that you are. I love your soul signature. I love the work you do in the world. So such a pleasure. And thank you for inviting me to come and play with you. Yes. Right back at you. Now go, go, go keep doing some more awesome. And, and maybe, maybe try to get me one of one of on one of your surprise retreats sometime. Oh, it'd be so cool. All right. <laughs> I'm not, I will I'm not epic enough yet. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> We are infinite expanders into more and more and more of whatever it is that we want to be. So I will, I'll sit and channel and see what would be the most okay, yummy, channel, delightful. Channel me. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, love. If you enjoyed meeting the Evolved Careerist on today's episode, well, we've got a lot more lined up for you. Subscribe, tell your friends, rate us and write a review. And of course, follow us on social media. But if you're interested in learning more about how you can evolve your career, you can contact us through theevolvedcareer.com or thebaukegroup.com, and that's B-A-U-K-E. Do you know somebody who'd be a great guest, who has a great career story to tell? Or do you think you qualify? Then email me. My email address is in the podcast description. Until next time, here's to your career happiness.